Cálmame la sed que tengo siempre de tu amor bonito Y cada mañana te diré cuánto te necesito Que siempre te amo y te amaré, vuelvo y te lo repito corazón Cálmame la sed que tengo siempre de tu amor bonito por venir si tú me quieres para siempre yo estaré a tu lado corazón y vamos solo a imaginar lo que nos queda por vivir all right everyone hello my name is diamond rivera of the live discussions with diamond podcast and you're tuned into episode I believe now this is 102, 101, 102. It just goes by so fast. And honestly, tonight, people, we have a very, very, actually not one, but two special guests. But before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Thubakshat, the radio, where you can listen to this interview live in high quality. And today, people, all the way from the Austin area. But before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to these two amazing people uh, who came, of course, from Boston, and now they're in, all the way in Austin. Uh, we have the amazing, wait, even announcing as well that these two will be at the Queer Latin Dance Festival happening virtually, and you will catch them. We'll get more info on that. But today, people, we have all the way from the Austin area, Audrey and Angie. <laughs> Hello. I know that was a long introduction, but I mean, there's so much to talk about. Thank you both for coming on today. Oh my Boy. God, thank you. Thank, thank you so you much for having, having us. us. Yeah, we're so excited. We've been wanting to chat with you for a while and just having this space together. So thank you again so much for reaching out. We're so excited to be here. Absolutely. I mean, uh, like you said, honestly, this past year with COVID and pandemic, it's also even through the heartaches and the hardships uh, and kind of the adaptation of things in our community, it's allowed us to network and kind of build new friendships, new relationships, uh, find out about new dancers that we didn't know about before. Uh, for me, for example, here, uh, realizing during the pandemic, I really started searching more and more for artists and you two came up. And I mean, since this whole year, just seeing the, the body of work that you two have been able to create is really special. So I'm definitely thankful to have you both on. Oh, thank, thank you. you. So <laughs> yeah, sweet. It has definitely been an interesting time. Um, but sure. I think that part of that time of just um, a lot of hardship, a lot of pain, a lot of stuff happening. I think that there also has been a lot of growth, not just within us, but I think that has been a conversation that has been happening throughout my friends and, and people that we know, that there has been a lot of growing. Um, and within that, we have been able to create some cool art. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, seeing the transition of many people, like you say, the transition both of you had of moving from kind of the Northeast to the South and <laughs> really finding a new life, but realizing that through the power of dance, that dance is really everywhere, no matter if you're in Boston or Austin, uh, <laughs> in all the states, dance is somewhere. So uh, realizing, especially with uh, the recent videos, of the, the I would say viral videos that you guys have, uh, the dancing and the TikTok and using that, I, I love the way you do it because it's a genuine thing. It doesn't seem gimmicky, it seems real and I love it. Um, so for me, realizing, especially on this platform, the focus is having these deep conversations and these meaningful conversations with artists like yourselves, because a lot of times when we have these conversations at events, if that, it's usually in the hotel rooms, privately with our friends, but now having that kind of one-on-one -on -one time and allowing people to understand you a lot more than they did before. So when we do get to a sense of normalcy, 
these same people that admire you now uh, know a little bit more about you. So they have more of a deeper connection. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, you wanna go ahead and talk? <laughs> <laughs> it's really special is what I was saying. Um, I haven't been in the scene half as much as my wife, but just saying it, it is really special to have that access because there's so much that goes on with like assumptions about who people are just because of what they have to put out because of the career that they're in. So I really appreciate that you have this platform, not just because we're invited, but for like everybody to connect in that sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I'm learning so much about artists beyond what they do professionally on a dance floor, realizing uh, the kind of lives they have, talking to people who besides dancing are surgeons or they're doing you know, environmental work and, and, and it all varies, but realizing the most important thing, the biggest similarity between you and every other guest that I have on is you all have a story. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like having a platform where I can learn about your story, but others can learn, I think that's important. So for me, um, how I love starting is understanding who my guest, or in this case, guests, who or what were your lives like before dance? And then we'll get really into the heart of how the dance world affected you both. Yes, down memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds funny to hear in like life before dance, because I think that most dancers can say that there wasn't a life before dance. <laughs> Everything has been dance one way or another, in one form or another. But yeah, I mean, um, I can I can go ahead and yeah. start a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, so my story is interesting. I'm sure everybody says that. But <laughs> I actually started dancing very young. So my mom took me to ballet classes when I was about three or four. And I hated it. I cried every class. I would just have nightmares about going to class. It was just not my jam uh, when I was very young. And so eventually my mom gave up, took me out of the classes. And not until I was around 12 or so, that I started to kind of like get really interested into dancing, specifically with flamenco. So mm -hmm. I learned with flamenco, um, watching people perform um, through a video and I was like, I wanna do that. And um, I started doing my research and I found this dance company and I'm talking about, this is back in Colombia. So I was mm -hmm. in Colombia, I was born in the States. Um, when I was a little baby, my parents moved back um, and then I was, um, all the way till I was 18 years old, um, actually 17 years old, um, I moved back into the States. But um, yeah, I started with this dance company doing flamenco and I like dug deep. I mm. was obsessed with it. And within a year and a half or so, um, the director of the company invited me to be part of the adult company, which was a whole uh, just beautiful journey. And I feel like that was when I finally um, started to really learn about self-love and self-confidence and really trusting uh, that my hard work will produce something that was I was yearning to do, which was be a dancer, mm -hmm. specifically back then in flamenco. But the fact that I was a teenager in a company with a bunch of adults, um, I felt super special, but I also felt really challenged. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that really started my to ignite my passion for dance. Um, and I did that throughout my whole teen years. Um, and I decided that would be my career. And so I moved to the States uh, for college, but really, really, it was for dancing. I wanted to, <laughs> I was like, I'll go to college, take some courses. But I really just wanted to find different ways to train, different styles. I wanted to meet people. I was just really excited to really yeah. do this career. And I guess it worked because I'm still dancing. <laughs> so. Evidently, absolutely. I think it definitely did work in your favor. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I love hearing Angie say it again, right? Uh, because I think it reminds me that even though we both come from Latinx backgrounds where, um, you know, if you're an immigrant, it's really yeah. hard to, um, it feels like pursuing an art form as a career is a privilege. And so I know that both of us have that, but it, she has this heart of just this free spirit that's like, I'm gonna do what, what excites me. And I actually, um, my journey with dance was the opposite that I had to learn to do what excites me because yeah. 
I was listening to the to the parts of my life that were telling me that it wasn't good enough to just be a dancer or it wasn't good enough to like you know like art like really what are you gonna be in life like <laughs> that's like what I was hearing from so many people in my life whether that is parents like adults friends whatever um so I was dancing back in the country I actually was in a TV show um, because of dance, because I was like dancing in my community. I was that kid. Everybody, I think, again, I feel like all dancers have this story where they either organized kids to dance like at the family party or at the community, and like I was that child. So I was like, all right, kids, this is the choreo we're gonna do. <laughs> you know, oh, so I, we need to find that. I wish that was on YouTube. I wish. <laughs> no, but I feel like everyone has that story at home. And that was my dancing growing up. And then someone witnessed it and was like, you got to get this kid in TV. And I made it into this TV show. And it was so cool, the whole experience. Like Angie said, you know, how she was like, oh, Gugu Gaga over that experience she had as a teen. I, for me, this was like, my dream world, finally yeah. on the stage, because I am such a like, ah, you know. And so it was perfect. It was awesome. And then that kind of died. And I came to the States. And coming to the States, was definitely like, ooh, reshifting again, go back to your academia, like you're not here to waste time. And you know, there were things that were uh, messages that would come to me like, well, you can't go to this audition because you don't speak English. And like, da -da -da -da. like you know, these things really resonate over time where you're like, no, 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 I'm not gonna be a dancer. But like, it kept coming back. Like there I was signing up for every talent show. There I was auditioning for the cheerleading team. There I was like organizing yeah. friends in my community to, to do a dance the next day. And so, um, eventually, I'm very grateful that I could still pursue it in, in um, college. I think it's when I was very like, okay, I am in college, mom. No one can tell me nothing. But no one knows all these dance teams that are yeah. here. <laughs> and I'm like all up in the dance teams taking modern dance for my electives. Like, you name it. And then Angie came into my life. And we were actually, we actually met. It is, we still met through movement. Um, even though it wasn't salsa per se, but it was capoeira, which is an Afro-Brazilian martial art. And we were there to kick each other, really. <laughs> yeah, basically to beat each other. And, yeah, we were very competitive and didn't right. like, we're like, you know, that girl over there, whatever, you know. Hmm. Even though we still wanted to be friends yeah. and Lolo. And eventually I knew, you know, we connected through dance. That's like, oh, that girl's a dancer. That's cool. I love dance. And like, we would talk about it. We'd be the ones like lighting up the party at the Capoeira parties with salsa. Even though my steps were more like home steps and her were more yep. like professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was still trying to, you know. And I'm like, I don't do this, but okay. She's structured and you're more like, you know, I'm chilling. <laughs> this is what we do at home, you know. Yeah. So in terms of way it all ended up was that when I was ready to shift, finally stop, like, you know, like, or to finally listen to the universe that's like dragging me to dance and, and do pursue my career, I contacted her because I knew she was pursuing it as a profession. So yeah. that's kind of where we started connecting. We, to be very honest, where we really hit it off was work with youth. So Angie and I spent a great deal of our life and we don't really talk about it a lot working with young people in our city, teaching them dance and teaching them salsa, bachata, merengue and teach you know organize some performances with them and all of that and that's where we like our souls were like oh my god we're love and whatever the heck <laughs> and from there on you know i'm taking classes at masakote with her and it led to like you know dancing in the company together and here we are <laughs> that's amazing but it's something earlier that was said about how a lot of people in latin families specifically but i think just many families and many cultures when it comes to arts that's more of a hobby and something that's not going to sustain you, or it's actually told to you by your parental guardians that if this isn't going to make you money quickly, then what's the point? Oh yeah. So that's the reason. I, yeah, that's the reason for me. I was like, okay, I'll try to pursue something different. So I love my parents so much, but they're both doctors, mm -hmm. and they worked their ass off to be where they are today, like most of our parents did. Sorry for the work. <laughs> um, and but at the same time, you know, there's that trauma that they have because of what they went through, and so they want their kids to not suffer, and they want the kids to have a better future, whatever that means, um, based on their own lenses. Um, so for me, it was always a struggle to be like, but I still just want to pursue dance. I still want to share the love for dance, at, mm. and at the same time, I still have to fulfill, especially when I was younger. Um, my parents' desires by continuing my 
it, my, you know, my college years, not that college is not helpful and beautiful. You can pursue dance through college, but that wasn't my journey. And so there was always that struggle that I had um, in my early years here in the States because mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it's the experience of one, like you said, you were born here, then you were back to Colombia, then coming back and kind of adapting to new because, I mean, it's kind of a whole new world and how both of you went through that period before knowing one another. And then just out of nowhere, like you said, through Capoeira meeting uh, through, also people have to understand what Capoeira is also like a dance. It's a, yeah. uh, it's a back and forth. So here I'm gonna present, this is called the pop question. Capoeira match. I'm assuming it's point-based, am I correct? <laughs> you can, yeah, I know, yeah, we can do right. that. I can't imagine that it is. Out of three rounds, if I'm gonna say in that form, who wins? Okay, that's hard. <laughs> it depends. I think it will be even, like, mm, I mean, it's hard to be even, he said three rounds, right? Yeah, like, that's, like, that's why I did it purposely. <laughs> I feel like maybe she will. The only reason she says that is because I train longer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, also, you know what it is? Like, I was very, I like, I like really enjoyed the um, aggression part, like really get yeah. contact. And in Capoeira, that doesn't always work. You yeah. have to be very tricky. There's like this trickery and this like way of like getting your opponent that you don't even have to actually have contact. Um, yeah. But I was always like, okay, let's go. She's, she's a contact <laughs> And and Audrey <laughs> was a little more sneaky, so she could probably win. Okay. I, I feel like it's a balance, a balance. Of yeah. yeah. So then question now, of course, to Capoeira, when did you kind of, or how did you get introduced into, quote unquote, the dance world? Like in the Boston community, what do you remember like that first event you went to? So for me, so when I moved to the States, I started doing ballroom dancing. So that's kind of what I really got into. And um, I always felt that I was learning a lot and I was growing, but I felt that there was always a piece missing. And I think that a lot of it had to do with the way that my body had to move mm -hmm. um, in ballroom dancing, especially when they're like, we're doing rumba, but you cannot move your hips. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what do you mean I cannot move my hips in the way that I'm moving them? And so slowly but surely people that I knew in that world started to introduce me more into the salsa scene um, through more like the social uh, dance uh, events and riles when riles existed. And through that, I actually met Bruju. So Bruju was my first salsa teacher. Um, I auditioned to be part of one of her teams. And I auditioned, and I was like, why is their salsa off? Like, I don't get it, but I'll try it, I'll try it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but people who are not, who are listening now, what she means is Berju is Berju Perez from Berju Shoots. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, keep going. No worries, yeah. And um, eventually, you know, she explained that we're dancing on two. Um, I still made it to the team, even though I was off the whole time. Um, and she really was the person who um, introduced me into the onto world besides going out. Um, mm -hmm. I would say Riles was the club. Anybody who's from Boston knows about Riles, mm -hmm. who unfortunately closed um, not too long ago. But that was the spot for salsa dancing. And I found my ways to get into the club sometimes, even though, no, <laughs> even though I wasn't out of eight. So I started for really early. Yeah, no, I hope none of the DJs are listening right now. Get mala. No. <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> but guess what? I started my training really early because mm -hmm. I was able to make it to these places. Um, and yeah, it was really social dancing and Bridget Perez who like just got me into the scene. Mm. Yeah. No, <laughs> She has a special like yeah. Anyways, but I think for me it was like. It was when we went, when I started working with Angie at Hyde Square and with my mm -hmm. But Hyde Square, because I started uh, working with the kids and teaching the kids all this stuff. Yeah. We had to take the kids in the summer to Salsa in the Park. And Salsa in the Park is something that's very big and popular in Boston. Like, people around the Northeast area have been trying to copy it because it's Ooh. such a big thing. No, yeah, in a good way. Like, every okay. <laughs> no, no, in an honest way. <laughs> in a good way, like, people really want the same thing that's magical in Boston or was prior to the pandemic. 
like in their communities because it brings people to, it was like this big um, weekly thing that would happen every Monday. People come out in the community to social dance in this one park organized by um, Meta Movements. And so yes, it got so big because it connected. The cool thing is that it connected, besides it being a huge community dance event, it connected community folks who are dancing at home, not like in the platforms, not in the, you know, yeah. connected kids, uh, like the high school task for kids who were just learning their basic steps as well as like advanced kids. It was connecting professional dancers, um, teachers, you know, people actually even um, um, people who are learning to, what is it? Sorry, I'm like, yeah. Uh, who, who are struggling with auditory um, listening with the music and they're um, shifting it to be able to to be kind of inclusive for everybody. And so Sauce in the Bar kind of had that, that sauce of like a lot of stuff, you know? And so that's kind of what got me introduced into the salsa scene at large, you know? Um, and then Masacote, I was really embedded there in Masacote for many years and that was connecting me too. Nice. Yeah. Just seeing what, Masacote and realizing uh, with people who know Anna Masacote and Joel, uh, the Masacote group has been around, especially in our Latin dance community for like decades and realizing their influence. So now my question is, what, from both of your experiences, what was it like that first introduction to dancing both of you, meaning like, what was that first dance like for both of you? Wait, well, you mean like first time we danced in the scene? Yeah. No, I mean actually together, like at a social. What was that first? Um, I think it was. That's hard to know. Okay, so let me be honest. Okay, let me be honest. <laughs> we were friends, and our spark was like manifesting already under a friendship. Yes. Make sense. So I remember a lot of times because she was kind of my teacher, so to speak, and I was like, mm. um, she, I was always like, you know, God, you please dance with me, like, God, you please dance with me, because you know, I was like, I don't want to dance with these people. I'm so <laughs> and every time we dance, it's like, oh my God, like, uh, I love her. Oh, oh, can we dance again? <laughs> like that kind of stuff. I was like, you owe me a dance later. <laughs> but it was definitely a way to like, we were like, no, because that's my friend, right? And that's the only person I can dance with. But it was also a way to flirt and be like. Oh, we can connect. <laughs> and you, uh, was it like that as well? Yeah, I think that um, it was like that, but I also really enjoy who Audrey is. So I think yeah. that anytime I got a chance to dance with her, I was like, ooh, I'm really like enjoying this connection. Mm -hmm. And then I think that eventually through time, like I, every time I dance with her, I'm like, I feel like we need to create something. I feel like we need to, like, I eventually, we're listening to a song, we're like, ooh, what if we do yeah. a party to this? Yeah. And it was very sporadic. and like It was very sporadic. Thinking about dancing together, all of that was just kind of like, boop, a light bulb that yeah. came in a random space. But it wasn't, it didn't take all these years of planning. It didn't take all these years of, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like, some people actually plan throughout, like, all right, this is when we're going to do this. It just naturally happened. Yeah. You know, so I mean, my question now is from working with uh, Masakote um, and the other projects you've been able to do, and we'll get into those. When did you both know, like, okay, let's work together and start creating our own pieces? Yeah, I, I go ahead. You had, you had your thought was coming through. Because there was a song that sparked yeah. it. So we were in Masakote. We honestly, we thought we'd be dancing with Masakote for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, we loved it there. Um, we liked the, the strictness of the technique. We loved everything, like Afro connection, the, just everything. Um, we were obsessed with the pieces that we were putting out as a company. But what happened was a song, like uh, uh, automatically we knew, but it was a little unspoken that it would be very cool to come out as a couple and yeah. dance together. We knew that, but I was, we were in such different stages as dancers. Mm -hmm. I was there, so to speak, or starting my like salsa, because even though I'm a dancer my whole life, right? Like it's like, I didn't know salsa to that extent. Yeah. Um, and so that's what like delayed it a little bit. But when it was like ready, like where like we almost were matching up to like each other's energy, um, there was a song we heard. And that was Me Boy by Deji. I don't know if you know, mm -hmm. it's an Afro-Cuban um, band. And the sisters, twins, they're amazing. And so this song, I was like, like we both looked at each other and I was like, we have to choreograph to this. <laughs> just, it's so amazing. Oh my God, and our love story. 
oh my god like it just kept clicking 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 and then i was like we're not even gonna argue with this we're just gonna choreograph to it yeah and i feel like um it also really represented who we wanted to be um as a as a married couple as a, mm. as a dance partner couple as a representation for people like that piece our first piece with our yellow outfits right yeah the scene in the yellow outfits. very fierce and like boom 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 because it's everything that we like it was almost like the birth of Angie and Audrey, and so it was everything that we wanted to eventually put out in one choreo. <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I definitely understand. And for me, um, being in this dance scene as long as I've been in it, I've realized, especially in our community, we have people from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Also, people with in other communities within a community. Right. So realizing too that hey, um, with Afro Latin dancers as you are with people who dance salsa, who dance bachata, LA style, on two style, no matter what the style is, we all come here through dance and realizing that the LGBTQ plus community is very involved within our community. And I think too that either gets overlooked or not looked even through more. And realizing that uh, many people like yourselves that are a couple that are married and within that community sometimes I've had talks with people that say within their community, it wasn't as receptive. It wasn't as, so realizing, you know, coming from the Boston area, how was, was there an overall positive reception or was it kind of mixed views? It's mixed depending where we were. And Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just mixed in general um, because at the beginning when it was coming out, I think a lot of people were like, oh yeah, female duets, that's cute. Because a lot of people weren't, a totally aware of our partnership as a couple mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh and then they start to make sense of it especially at the end of the routine like there's a kiss there on purpose yeah. <laughs> um, and like they're like oh like you know like it's like they didn't realize what they were looking at at the beginning so there was this mix um generally there were places there were other places i think when we traveled abroad once it was a little bit weirdly received but i don't even know how to make sense of like i don't know mm-hmm. how that happened but yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that it was fully received by the community, but it also wasn't fully declined because I think some mm-hmm. people were waiting for something like this, so to speak. Like people were yes. like, two women, fine. Like so we heard yeah. that from somebody at some point. But I will be honest that, like you say, like I'm not discrediting that it is hard to put it out. Um, I think that it's easy for us to put it out because we're femmes. And so femme people are generally accepted, especially when it comes to queerness, like lesbianism, whatever that is, right? People are like, oh yeah, lesbians, but like as long as you're femme, it is more like attractive, right? To women together that are femme because it's pertaining to a masculine man. And so, or whatever, like visions and weird dreams he has, right? Mm-hmm. And so with that said, is like, what we do come across, I'm not gonna say that we are necessarily, like, what I wanna acknowledge is that we're privileged and in a weird way because we are more generally socially accepted than um, a more like mask and femme couple um, or just like mask and butch women, you know? Um, And other couples that like two men are not greatly accepted on stage the way that people are like, oh yes, two women a lot of the times because of misogyny that Mm -hmm. gets put under the rug. Like people don't, just because people are accepting us dancing together doesn't mean they respect us as a couple or respect right. our partnership mm-hmm. as a marriage. Um, they're like, yeah, they're dances, whatever. People will do anything to write off what they don't want to see. And so if they're seeing a mix of things where it's like, oh, this is a beautiful piece that I do love and they don't want to set the other part, it'll get written off or whatever. Like, oh, no, they're just friends. Oh, no, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, no. You know, whatever yeah. it's like, no, the duet. It doesn't, it's not the couple, right? Like, <laughs> there's a difference. So I, I think... I'm happy that you like even brought that up because I, I, I do think it's complex and I do think that there are layers. We are hyper aware that we're fighting um, mm-hmm. pushing an envelope, but we're also hyper aware that within that envelope, there's levels of privilege um, mm-hmm. that every person carries and that every person would be discriminated or not discriminated against for whatever reason. So yeah, <laughs> I just think it's important to put all of that out there. Yeah, no. Thank yeah, you. Ab- absolutely. Yes, that and that and that. And that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I completely agree because we have to understand is that people want to say they accept the LGBTQ plus community within dance community until it's seen publicly on a stage. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest issue 
because me having these conversations with people from that community, whether I've danced with them side by side in a routine, or I've had those conversations at Congresses upstairs in the hotel room, those are the topics and um, initiatives that many of those want to push forward is you can no longer just say you accept us. And then when things are not going our way, you don't even act like we're around. Mm, yes. You know? Yes. You know what I mean? And for me, being a straight male, realizing because uh, as we talked privately, my experience of being in a group called the Heartbreak Boys that had three gay males there. So three gay males with three other straight males and real three or four other straight males and realizing we had to coexist as teenagers from the ages of about 12, 13 to almost 17, 18. So we're growing up and understanding that the language that people used was harmful. We learned why it was harmful at an earlier age. We learned about, you know, just the, the lingo, how everything is. But again, with language adapts over generations and people now, when they're seeing these groups, same gender couples as now we have at events, at uh, congresses, festivals, competitions now, the dance community has evolved, but I think it can evolve so much quicker, yeah. so much faster. It's kind of like a gradual thing. Where now, which I really want to get into is your uh, involvement now with the Queer Latin Dance Festival and how important that is, uh, that initiative, and something that I feel like with Jahaira and Angelica realizing that um, what they're pushing is really positive and it's helping bring a new generation of dancers forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I am. So just quickly to just, I 100% I agree with like the scene having to evolve a lot. I think that even the fact that, I mean, I love and we've said the Korea Latin Festival, um, mm -hmm. but the fact that there has to be exactly. specific events, um, it's also showing the exclusivity that is in the scene. Um, yeah. For example, just going to a Congress where, you know, they're still referring us, this is what the woman does and this is what the man exactly. does. Or things like, <laughs> you know, um, really misogynistic terms. Oh my God. The way things are taught, which can feel very triggering for many people, not just LGBT yeah. community. Um, so there's a lot of work to do for sure. And that's why we're super excited to be part of the Queer Lighting Dance Fest because it, the moment that we found out about it, I was like, we have to be yeah. in this community. Um, because we feel seen, we want it to grow, we want it to succeed, we want it to become, uh, there's one happening in many cities. We want it to be right. more of, um, it's part of the scene, not just the mm -hmm. one. The one even, happening. right, exactly, exactly. So, that's, I love what Andy said, because I think that that's the key is that you have to realize when you think about being, how are we being inclusive with LGBTQ plus IA folks, right? Like if we're, if we're, when you're looking at a, at a style of art and dance that's mm -hmm. very binary um, and very focused um, for, on ballroom, I mean, because a lot of the mixes of the binary is something that comes from ballroom, whatever stages of life. I'm not saying ballroom in the states that like water down the culture. No, I'm talking about mm -hmm. ballroom in our countries yeah. too, yeah. right? That added to the fact that this is a partner dance that stands a specific way. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that that kind of engraved um, binary system in a in a style of dance that's just that right. It's very difficult, I think, for people to detach the, that thing. And I think what teachers need to be doing if they really care about inclusivity is really watching their words, like Gandhi says. You know, um, even some of the best teachers I've come across who are woke and whatever that means are using terms that are very misogynistic. Um, like, oh, grab the follower. I'm like, why are you grabbing me? You know, like things like that, that it's fine. We can overlook it, but over time, words resonate. Yes. And 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 salsa and bachata and just binary dance classes, think about a queer person who's non-conforming or a trans person or yes. or a trans person who hasn't undergone their transformation yet, but are aware that they're trans and and going to a dance class and not fitting in period because that's just what it is it's like oh you're either standing here or you're standing there because you either have something between your legs or you don't and that is just so exclusive like it's so that's what angie and i which is what you're segwaying to um we want to actually 
teach what we do in our dances. So when you see us perform, you see that the leader switches or the followers switch. Like at one point, Andy's leading, another point, I'm leading. Sometimes you don't even know who's leading. Like it's just more about um, kind of enjoying that dance together. And you see that in the scene happens with people, regardless of the couplings that you see in the socials, that people want to experiment with switching leading halfway through the dance. Yeah. And that that isn't just exclusive to LGBT. That's everybody's trying to do this now. And so when that's what we want to teach. You know, we want to grab it from the plat from the sorry from the stage and bring it yeah. into the classroom and in the dance room and say, "This is what we're gonna do." Like, yes, you can learn leading and you can learn leading. <laughs> like, and you can learn following and you can learn following because that's what the dance is about. The only reason there's two sides is to find a way to connect, right? To have the system through which we connect. But it's yeah. not defining of who we are as souls or defining of what we have to bring during this dance in this moment, you know? No, it's it's true. And, and realizing that as well within our community, like you said, there's many artists uh, that are teaching are still using the wrong language even after they're being informed about it. And the thing is that now taking those actions is what's needed. And I mean by actions is constantly informing people within our community is that uh, the language you use can be harmful. It may have been accepted 10 years ago, but 10 years later, it's not. Thank you. Thank you Realize. for 10 years. Because there's yeah. some people thinking because they've been in the scene for 20 that they don't need to shift their language. And I'm like, Absolutely. well, what? you're not going to stay relevant. Yeah, it's true. And the thing is that people uh, that I speak to who have been in it 20 plus years, don't understand is that especially you're, you're dealing also with a new demographic, a new yeah. culture, a new generation, and people are more outspoken about how they feel. And for me, and it, it boggles my mind when I hear some people not understand that, especially you being a teacher, you have to learn to adapt and realize I've had many conversations, uh, for example, with people like Sierra Morales, um, Jahira, uh, and realizing the conversations that I'm having, I'm learning, realizing I'm seeing the mistakes. I've been witnessing these mistakes this whole time being a videographer and not understanding I should have curbed that for that person. But it's also me now understanding, okay, this is what's appropriate and what's not. And these artists can no longer say, oh, I'm here for the community, but you're not showing. Right. right. And I think that, I mean, the, the, the issue for me, at, at least, not really the mistakes. I mean, I still say things that are just like literally the, yeah. the body might, I'm used to saying certain things and, and learning from that and moving on. I think that the people, unfortunately, who are not ready to learn um, or change the way that they speak or the ways that they teach, it has to do more with their fear of evolving, mm. their fear of like actually, um, be in a vulnerable position where yeah, you, we have, have to apologize yeah, for what you just said. Or you know, <laughs> and correct yourself, move forward. And the more right. you do it, the more it's going to stay. That's that's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, we, we both are in the same wavelength in a sense. So now my now kind of really wanted to segue in when the pandemic hit. Um, and most of us pre-pandemic, we were just focused on the events we wanted to go to next or what project we had coming up or what friend's house we were going to. And realizing from last year in March, the pandemic hit, uh, hit many of our cities differently um, and realizing how vulnerable our dance community was, uh, but also realizing the creativity that it brought out for many artists such as yourselves. So, you know, throughout the pandemic and also like we talked as well, the way your mindsets work during the pandemic is different than other artists. But for me now understanding um, what was the creative process into the thought of creating these bodies of work that you recently have been putting out, where were those inspirations from? Ooh, okay. So... Our relationship. <laughs> She's like, got, we, got, we got Tina Cavicchio here showing some love out there. Oh, Tina. <laughs> shout out to Tina. Yes, we love her. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, a relationship. It's interesting. <laughs> no, it's true. I'm laughing because it's true. So in in the, the pandemic was interesting because um, I and Audrey did too. We were going through our personal growth and our personal like really seeing ourselves in, in the mirror and really seeing a lot of the things that 
we haven't had the chance to really heal from or, or grow from um, when it comes to our personal lives and our personal experiences. But mm -hmm. because we're a couple and we are in the house stuck for all the time, all this time through the pandemic and feeling all the worries and, and the stress of the pandemic, um, it really kind of like introduces into wanting to really heal together as a couple mm -hmm. and that is in many things we did it through art we wanted to tell the yeah. different stages in our relationship some of them were beautiful and and flowers and and amazing things and some of them were really freaking hard yeah. and they still yeah. um we're still working through a lot of things uh not just again not just as a couple but we are as individuals yeah. and the things that we're um healing from and i think that the dances that we put out specifically during the pandemic are a big reflection of kind of uh, the wave that we've been going through. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 And each one, like I think I said this to you, Dam, and that um, when you look at our pieces that we put out, each one is almost like a stage of our relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, it's crazy. I never thought that Angie and I would say this out loud to people at all. <laughs> like, never. I appreciate but, it. I appreciate but now, like, let's just say it. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, like when you look at my boy being more like connected, that spark that brought us together, and mm -hmm. then um, we got we Manny was so much more soft in love because that's the all the crap. Like there's a lot in our relationship with softness and loveness and oh yeah. And then there's also Gardenias, right? Which was more dark, and that one is more about all of that, like really coming into your power, but through suffering, through like healing through yeah. releasing pain so Gardenias is the one for any but i mean you've seen it um the one that we have like the music. live music yeah in yes. the dark outfit so that one um we really were focusing on oppos opposite energies and how they work together and sometimes against each other exactly. and specifically <laughs> with um two orishas that we had in mind throughout the quarry which is um chango oya and also oshun was present but chango and oya which can be like a yin yang feel Ellie. Ellie. <laughs> Super Shun, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah that yeah orishas yeah <laughs> flamenco the last one had a little flamenco we became which i was like yeah. starting to obsess over my wife's flamenco and i was like we gotta do this <laughs> Again, uh, happy wife, happy life. I think we can. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so you know, realizing too the influences of where these where these uh, visuals came from, where these performances came from, I think was really special too because I think um, it was needed. I felt it was needed because we see so many people um, or groups or couples or duos about uh, visuals all the time, but. A meaningful piece, especially because you two are married in a relationship, also a dance relationship and partnership, but making it work and making it inviting. Because I think when people uh, create bodies of work, they need to understand the responsibility they have, yeah. especially to your audience, because um, what you two did was needed because we needed to see that representation more. I mean, because there are people from the LGBTQ plus community um, that social dance or have these questions of why is there not more representation of us visually only through the social setting or at a competition here and there, realizing there are a lot more same-sex gender couples that are performing, for example, in World of Dance, we've seen, uh, of course, through mainstream media, but also within our community, we needed to see more representation. And especially with this pandemic, with many people kind of, in a sense, stuck at home, it made people like me gravitate to artists like yourselves because you were giving us your vulnerability and honesty and giving us a piece of yourselves for two or three minutes in a video and people gravitated because they believed in it. Mm -hmm. That's so sweet. That's beautiful. Yeah, I was like, ooh, give me chills. And that's what I'm saying for me, having this platform, being able to have you both on to say, in a sense, celebrating that success, because whatever message you wanted to put across, I got it. And that, I think that's what it's meant for, for the people. When you watch it, you should be able to understand there's a story involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, I'm glad to see that um, now as of recent, I think as of two months ago, 
you now have both relocated to Austin, Texas, hopping all the way from the cold uh, winters in Boston to the sunshine in Austin. So, one day of winter. <laughs> yes, yes. And trust me, when we get to the randoms after this, um, I'm going to be asking some questions about Boston. I need to hear about those. So, okay. <laughs> we'll definitely get into it. So now, um, before we get into the randoms, my question is, with now 2021 hitting, or now we're in 2021, about to hit April soon. It's crazy. It's just It just started... Um, and your move to Austin, what is now the kind of the focus for both of you in terms of your dance careers? Like, where do you see yourself uh, going in? What direction? Um, so, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, we are, yeah, we're currently literally like every day brainstorming and cooking um, what our future is going to look like here and what mm -hmm. do we want to do, especially post-pandemic, because, like, yeah. right, which, you know. yeah. <laughs> um, but we really um, want to work with people. Like, I, I definitely want to teach. I definitely want to be able to find a community here um, mm -hmm. that we can create, like Angie and Audrey. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily want to do a company or, like, have a studio, but we want to find ways and spaces where we can share yeah. um, the way that we express this art and the way that we hope that other people get inspired to do that. Mm -hmm. And we also want to continue to do projects that involve people here mm -hmm. in Austin, yeah. um, obviously safely. Um, and <laughs> working on a project with someone from Boston. From Boston. Okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I'm not going to say it yet, but okay. it's going to be coming out soon. Yeah, um, later in the spring. And as well as a project with a few dancers here in Austin. Oh, that, yeah. Um, it's also a surprise so i'm gonna keep it there <laughs> oh it is okay. okay whoops but but yeah i like just to add to what angie said i i think you know one thing that we became aware of recently is that we really have something in our hearts for community work or something connected mm -hmm. because our one thing that's ending slowly and it's a little emotional for us is our work with you yeah. And oh, I just got emotional, but it's okay. Um, all I wanted to say was that, that we want to make sure that here in Austin, we find a way to connect to that, right? So the work that we do might not necessarily, we thought we were going to come in here and do like all these performance scenes and whatnot, mm -hmm. but it's actually kind of alchemizing into becoming now, you know, because we do have to wait for things to be safe. Um, but it's alchemizing basically into uh, just work with community um you know teaching for the community like going to a place and like um outdoors <laughs> that's already kind of salsa in the park like what they have in boston but more sporadic and more us um and that's kind of like where we're going to start dipping our toes in austin mm -hmm. when it comes to dance so we're not only tapping we're not really only focusing on the dance scene here we're really focusing yes. on the community at large so people who maybe never took a dance class before and then along with that we're doing our online classes so that is, that is so, so that's worldwide. I mean, it's just more like people, if you're sleeping in your side of the world, um, we record them and send them afterwards. So it's not necessarily exclusive to people who have like, the sun on the same side of the globe. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, just, it's really good as well. And in conclusion of that, to say, to see the longevity and the consistency from the beginning, even through the adversity and through now. So realizing that kind of length of consistency of um, still pushing your brands and from the online classes, from the TikTok videos, Instagram videos. Uh, I just love that you both are showing or sharing your happiness with one another with everyone else because realizing, especially this past year, it, uh, people's mental state, mental health is a huge thing. So realizing that that love between two people that it's always there with people. And sometimes even the videos you might post are giving people hope because, you know, realizing you just showcasing positivity wow. means more because we, we realize we're in a world where neg negativity sells. So yeah. you embracing your flaws, your vulnerabilities, your insecurities um, to the world in a sense, it means a lot because it shows you may be afraid, but you're not that afraid to show other people because you realize there's so many people that go through their own paths and their own demons and 
you know, again, I really appreciate what both of you do have done and will continue to do. I definitely hope in the Austin area, when things are much safer uh, and both of you feel comfortable, having that kind of feel, having that salsa in the park feel in Austin, that would be amazing. I definitely see that happening. So now uh, it leads me to my closing segment called The Randoms, which is about 10 questions. Uh, should get a little, you know, a little spicy. Might get, you know, a little interesting. Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so what are you asking? Just for you guys, I maybe change some questions around. Okay. Some new ones. So let's see how it goes. Okay. Number one, of course, each question is for both of you. I would say try to answer it as quickly as you can. I want to see how the quick questions are quick answers. So. The first question is, what is one thing you do not like about Boston? The cold weather. Corporate culture. Same. Oh. <laughs> Cor wait. Cold weather, corporate culture. Wow. <laughs> That's a tongue twister for sure. Uh, all right. So second question, if someone was to visit Boston, what is the first place you would tell them to go? Oh. Oh no. Um, I mean, the Charles River is really amazing. Like you mean by the Esplanade? By the Esplanade. That thing that walking around the there Esplanade. Is, it's really beautiful. Um, and, and also Turtle Pond, which is really random. It's so in random. Hyde Park. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's where we did our video of. Um, I don't know if you saw it. We do an Afro Cuban. It's like on a pier. It's almost. just a beautiful, it's really beautiful place. place. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to say about the Esplanade, inner city, you don't usually go there if you're inner city. I grew up in inner city Boston and I never knew about it until my like college years. <laughs> so that's why that should be the place to go. <laughs> because both for people who are inner city and people who are not. Okay, all right, number three. When you're dancing at a social, what is something you really do not like your lead to do to you? To force me into movements, not lead me. Like actually physically force me, like pulling or like, you know, the one foot like it like physically hurts and I feel like there's no respect happening, so I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> to not get offended if I decline a dance. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. And and it's it's when you say that it, it's I completely understand because some people have to realize all right, there are those people that say, oh, I don't want to dance. And then less than a minute later, somebody, you see them dancing on the dance floor. Else. But then there's other people. I'm kidding. No, that's good. <laughs> you know, other people who naturally like, hey, give me a few minutes and then I might be dance. But I'm, I'm also going to interject and say there are also that, that third option of people who saw the person and said, no, I'm not going to dance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, have to, stuff. I, gotta no, I actually love dancing with very, like, I think I enjoy my dances more when it's a, a Cuban viejito and like any professional dancer because it's just so chill. But I, I'm just going to say the, my thing is I find social dancing really intimate. Yeah. Like, close up space with people and so everyone has a different experience with it you know so for me it's not a sport and so sometimes i have struggle with saying yes to everybody so sorry if anyone has heard me like decline a dance and then i go and dance with my best friend i'm gotcha. sorry <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not personal it's personal to me but not yeah yeah no nah, it, it it's all good all right next question what did both of you want to be at 10 years old zoologist what? <laughs> Wait, at 10 years old? Oh, yeah, pediatrician. I was, I, I mean, I wanted to be a dancer, but zoologist was the top of my list. <laughs> pediatrician. Wow. That's amazing. I love it. All right, next question. If you could be at one dance event, what would it be? A one dance event? Yes. Queerline Dance Fest? What? What do you mean? A like one dance? One, yeah, like if you choose one. Uh, I would say Queerline Queer Dance, dance Fest. Fest for me. <laughs> God, and why? Well, because I would feel like I could just be a hundred percent me, my world. And I'll be received <laughs> and I'll be loved, and then I also can do that for others. Yeah, in a way that's genuine. Yeah, I just yeah. Okay. All right. Next question: If you could see one performance right now from an artist, who would that be? 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm. I love how she dances. Um, I feel like she has a very specific style that is just different from other people's, a little more funky, which is kind of like how I feel. And I haven't seen it in such a long time, at least not like live or anything. So it'd really be really cool. I, she thinks that she's probably gonna think I'm pressuring her by saying that. I think for me, it would be, um, it would be more of a dance company, if that's okay. But yeah. um, Raices Profundas from Cuba. Oh, stop. She like Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I let you talk, then I let me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. Next question. Mm, how should I say this? What is the biggest issue with the dance community Oof. currently? Or I want to say, because there's so many, but I mean, what is a really, really big issue or something you want to see change for the future? I wish that people didn't think that, um, I wish we didn't promote stunts as the only form of great dance. Because mm. I find a lot of non-stunt dances to be so gorgeous. Yeah. And smooth and everyone's, like I said earlier, like everyone just experiences the world differently. And mm -hmm. so the stunts are so gorgeous and athletically like admirable forever. Um, I also wish that people, like you said, you know, when people see our dance, they feel more connected. Like I wish people could look at dances and feel like they can do it. You know, mm -hmm. I look at dances like I can express, I want to express through that medium. Like, let me go and learn it. But if you're always, I feel like we're always making people feel like if they're not the top of the line in terms of athleticism age, right? And like whatever, that maybe you're not gonna be a great dancer. And I think that that's a very um, false belief. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, it's, um, I think that I would love to see artists to really go back to a place of creating because they want to express emotions because they want to share because they want to be themselves, but not because they have to catch up to something. I feel mm -hmm. like, um, along with what Audrey was saying, like even right now, I feel like a lot of artists feel like they have to catch up with Afro-Cuban because of yeah. what everything went exactly. through. And within that, one, they're not enjoying and really absorbing what it means when you talk about Afro-Cuban culture um, mm -hmm. and dances and music. But two, you are losing the purpose of art. The purpose of it. And so that is not only, I'm saying that not only for people who they're sharing their art with, but for themselves. Like mm -hmm. I chose to be an artist and I want to make sure that I continue to nurture the reasons why I'm, I'm there. And I hope that most artists do that too in this dance community. Okay. I love it. I love it. All right. Next question. What would be your superpower if you could have one? Heal people. That would be sorry. So sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Superpower. Oh, oh. I think like oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think telepathy. Let's say telepathy. I'm actually I think that that's actually something that sometimes I sit next to somebody and I'm like, whoa, I can feel what you're feeling. Sorry, she'll be right back. <laughs> no, no, no worries at all. I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, uh what Audrey said earlier was or with you, we're basically the. How should I say this? When I ask that question, and the answers I get, especially hearing healer, that's really special because I think, especially during this time, it shows, especially with the word healer, of what people want to do because you've seen people kind of at their lowest, mm -hmm. you've seen people at their highest, and Angie, you talking about. The, the healing aspect, like I was saying, Audrey, was that's one answer here that it really touches me because it, it, it shows where the direction, but then also you um, talking then about telepathy. Um, that's a very interesting answer in itself, too, because in a sense, I ask, I go into that because I wanted to ask this question talking about telepathy. Do you also want that responsibility of. <laughs> I feel like we we do have that power. I think Everybody that, does. I think that when you're like, oh, I know what they're thinking, and you feel someone's energy, and you're really understanding what their emotions are and where their their thoughts are going. I think that we actually have that. Um, and and healing too. I think that when I say that is, I really believe that mm -hmm. a lot of the issues 
or struggles and, and problems in this world is because our souls have gone through a lot of hardships of yeah. society norms and Ugh. so many things. And so we're just hurt. <laughs> we're hurting and we haven't found um, spaces or people or situations where we can actually talk about it. Or feel process it. Just feel it. Feel like it. Sometimes we don't have space to feel it. And so, mm. And all. all right. I love that. I love those answers. So next, my last three questions, my eighth question goes like this. If you could have one person you could social dance with, disclaimer, cannot be either one of you dancing with one another. It could be one other dancer you could dance with right now. Who would that be? Are you going to steal my answer? No, go. <laughs> <laughs> She puts you on the spot. Yeah, I know. Good. It's hard because I I wish I knew more people. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know very little artists out there, like at least one on one. Oh man, you know what? I'm gonna say Maury. I was gonna say Maury. She found my answer. <laughs> I just was like, I don't want to go first because last time she had a better answer than me. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm kidding, but Maury. Love Maury. Because <laughs> Maury has that. Like, she will yeah. switch leading and following. She mm -hmm. will. She doesn't get tired. Like, if you get somebody to dance with you, Maury just. She's just like, let's keep dancing. I don't she care. brings light and love. Yeah, it's all like, oh, greatness. It's good positive energy. Very positive. Yes. But a lot of it. <laughs> so I would say for the both of you, you would say Maury. Yes. All right. She's, She's gonna, gonna love this whole segment. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Next question. Uh, what is a special talent both of you have that many people wouldn't know? Special time? Talent. Well, special talent. Oh, talent. Um <laughs> that's a good thing to ask. Hold on. Mine is actually connected. Well, you think, sorry. It's connected to what I said earlier, the telepathy. All right, my mm -hmm. special talent is literally being able to read people. I can read mm -hmm. deeply into people. And it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think my special talent is to be able to find everything that Audrey loses. Confessions. This is. special talent because I feel like it disappeared, and then I go find it, and I find it. It's like an, and I can't never find my things, and yeah, she knows to have them ready. Yeah. Or leaving the house, she's like. I'm you're All right. <laughs> I, love, I love the honesty. All right. Last question. What is each of your guilty pleasures? Guilty pleasures. Mm. I love to indulge. Mm. Expensive. <laughs> oh, or anything. Like if one day I just really want to sit under the sun and just indulge. And oh, yeah. Vacations. Being. Paris is vacations. Beach, beer, sun, <laughs> Caribbean, <laughs> the Caribbean. Yeah. I just really like to enjoy life in ways that like can be very um guilty pleasurey. Mm. <laughs> and if you add like a dessert next to oh, it that was yeah. made by a like five star chef, yeah, we are perfect because I love that. <laughs> oh my god, I've I've loved every answer and really <laughs> every answer you've given for almost every question is just entertaining. Um, <laughs> We're so and, no, I love it. I love it, and <laughs> and I appreciate. Doing this segment, I love doing it because it allows me and the audience to learn a little bit more about both of you. Uh, so now, really, we are at the conclusion of our talk tonight. And honestly, I really have had a great time from start to finish, uh, even our private conversations, learning more about each other and realizing that we're both doing things to contribute to our communities in a positive way. And that's something we need more of, especially going forward. Uh, if you really want to see a better uh, outcome to our communities, whether we're in Austin, whether I'm in New York, realizing that even though we can't physically uh, see each other, even virtually, it helps because it brings that networking and uh, camaraderie together. It's really special. I mean, from seeing what both of you have been able to do this past year, especially uh, to your careers beforehand, and seeing what you have, uh, what's what's basically to come for the future, especially in, especially in your Austin community. I'm really proud that our dance community has uh, two amazing people like you. So I really thank you both for coming on tonight uh, to the platform. 
Oh, thank you so much, Diamond. We really enjoyed this time. Um, we hopefully can do something like this in the future again. again. This was awesome. And and thank you for creating this. I mean, I've watched a lot of your interviews, and, and you just have a variety of people. You're very yeah. inclusive. You're very loving and welcoming. And I think that this is what we need for changes to happen in the dance community or just the communities in general. Um, I think that these conversations need to happen. So thank mm -hmm. you so thank much you for so creating much. this platform. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, because um, it's people like yourselves that are pushing the culture forward. And when we do come back to some type of normalcy, you are the artist that people will remember. Because we've seen again through this past year, many artists that maybe we've seen on stages are no longer as relevant. Mm -hmm. Kind of uh, phasing out of the dance world and coming back to their real world life. Mm -hmm. And um, realizing that having artists like yourselves that are pushing the envelopes, pushing those boundaries and creating new normals for yourselves and others uh, is amazing because I think, and I know that when we come back to our community, more people are gonna be aware of the language they should use that's appropriate, um, understand that times are changing and that we have to adapt along with it. Again, I've been blessed and thankful that I can have you both on. And especially, I would love to have you on for the future. As we've talked, I'd love to have a nice panel with you two and about a few of our artists. And we really get into the nitty gritty of things and talk about some even more deeper issues and what we want to see for our communities going forward. So I definitely appreciate you both coming on tonight. I know you're enjoying the amazing Austin weather right now. So Again, I thank you so much for your time and your effort. Of course, you're welcome. Thank you, Simon. And thank you for everyone who watched yes. and everything. Thank you so much for all the love and support. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you both, Audrey and Angie. Angie and Audrey out now from Boston to Austin. And definitely, everyone, uh, after this interview, I will have a link to where you can find more information on these two amazing people. And please be on the lookout. You will see them as well next coming up in a few months at the Queer Latin Dance Festival virtually. And everyone, thank you again for taking your time to listen to this amazing talk. Everyone be safe and see you next.